Personal space is an interesting thing. We never talk about it, never even heard of the term, but we all know when somebody invades it. Somebody gets too close to you, and they're sort of, and most of us, if somebody gets a little too close to us, we'll sort of step back. The problem is for some people, that's almost an invitation and they get closer. And then we start doing all this mental stuff. It's like, what's going on here? You know, and we want to say, get away from me, back. And then they just keep coming sometimes. And that personal space that we never think about until it's gone. And then it's very important to us. And some cultures obviously have very different ideas of personal space. And us uh, sort of upper Midwest Scandinavian kind of folks, we have a lot of personal space. Uh, You can go out on the East Coast or you can go to Italy or you can go to some other countries and it's like, here, personal space. And it's not always just physical. That's how we think about it. But you know, we have emotional personal space too. When people ask us questions we don't want to answer, and it's like, whoa, you just sort of came into my space. And I'm not comfortable with you being there, but you've already asked the question, and now that question is just sort of floating there, looming. And what are we going to do with that question? And if we're not comfortable with it, we're racking our brains quickly. How do we dodge the question? How do we sort of divert this? Nice weather we're having. And we do all kinds of games to sort of avoid that invading our personal space. Well, the reason I'm talking about that is um, we're going to look at a man who uh, Jesus sort of invaded his personal space. And it made him really uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Could Jesus get too close to us that would make us uncomfortable? One of the things that happens at, at a church, any church, this church, and as the pastor you sort of own it, is if people quit coming... And it bothers you, and most pastors like me take it very personal. I've failed in some way. How did I fail? And I try and identify that. And you try and find out with people what happened. And I had, several years ago, I had the most interesting conversation for a couple that had quit coming. And um, it was actually the uh, wife who wanted to quit coming. And the only reason I say that is when I tell you her reason most of you would assume it was the husband, and it wasn't. And the wife's statement to me was that, uh, I, I don't like this church. Uh, you get too close to me. You're, you're, you're pushing me. You're, you're challenging me, and I, I, that makes me uncomfortable. I want to go back to the church that just let me come to worship and sit there comfortably and then leave and go home. And I thought about that afterwards. I didn't say that to her, but I thought, you know, if we're ever going to be criticized as a church... That's the criticism I would like, that we push people to grow. Because I think that's what Jesus wants to do. Not that he wants to be mean or offensive in any way, shape, or form, but he understands that for us to grow, sometimes he needs to invade our space and challenge us, ask a tough question, give us an answer we don't want, but he knows it's the right answer. And we're going to look at a story today where Jesus did that for a young man. It's over in Matthew 19. 
Let me begin the first, and then we're going to take a break, and then we'll read the last two verses. So Matthew 19, 16, Just then a man came up to Jesus, and he asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus responded, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? He required. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Interesting interchange, isn't it? Now we're going to go back because Jesus has one more thing to say to him. But the man obviously has a spiritual heart. And he obviously knows the law. He wants eternal life, and he knows that's somehow linked to pleasing God. And I think Jesus is sort of feeling him out to find out where he's at because Jesus' first response is, well, obey the Ten Commandments. And he's speaking to a Jewish man, and the Jewish man says, got that. I've got those Ten Commandments down. And and for a lot of Jewish people, you'd think he would say, I'm doing okay. But it's interesting, there's something in this young man that realizes, I'm not there yet. It's not that I'm on the wrong path, it's not that I'm wasting my time, but he knows there's something lacking. He had a sense there was something more. And so he came back to Jesus and says, what what more is there, Jesus? And then in verse 21, Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, that's probably what your translation says, but I want to stop because I I think that's a terrible translation. Because we hear that word perfect and we all think about perfectionism. And then our immediate response is, well, nobody can be perfect. But that's not what the the word Jesus uses there. The word he uses there is complete. All the pieces are in place. The, the, the model is fully assembled. The house is done. The project is finished. The last step has been taken. And so what Jesus is really saying is there, okay, if you're really serious about this living for God, then there's one more step to take that will complete your spiritual life. That will take you to that highest level. So he says, if you want to be complete... Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus went too far. He invaded his personal space. He asked a question the young man couldn't handle. And he walked away. He wanted to be a follower. He wanted to be more than just a fan, more than just Ten Commandment level. I got the basics covered. He knew there needed to be something more. So he asked, but he didn't like the answer Jesus gave him. He said, to follow me, here's what it takes. Something else. And for him, it was his wealth. Now, the issue wasn't that he was wealthy. I like the way Kyle Eidelman says it in his book, Not a Fan. The issue wasn't that he had a lot of money. The issue was that his money had him. 
The issue wasn't that he had a lot of money. The issue was that his money had him. You see, the reason he had to walk away is that he saw that money as his security. It was that money that made him who he was. It was that money that he felt like earned him respect, that people looked up to him. It gave him power or whatever it was. That money was important to him, and it wasn't the fact it was money. We'll talk in a little bit. It could be something else for somebody else. But for him, it was his great wealth. And he wouldn't let go of that. His money had him. And so he walked away from Jesus. Well, the question is, do we need to be afraid of Jesus? Do we need to walk away from him? Is is there something we should be afraid of in getting close to Jesus? I think for some people there, Jesus does scare them. I talked about the visitor who said, this church is too much in my face. I want to go where I can be comfortable. And Jesus doesn't always leave us there. He does challenge us. But please know it's because he cares for you. It's not in any way, shape, or form he wants to ruin your day. He actually does it because he wants to make your day. He wants to make your life. And just like for this young man, he realizes there may be something in your life that's holding you back. And if there is, Jesus cares so much, he will challenge you on that. But it's because he cares. He wants to be honest with you. Though nobody else may, Jesus will be honest with us. The truth is, there's lots of reasons to follow Jesus. To let Him get close to us. To make the effort to get close to Him. I mean, He is God. He is God come to earth. He is the one perfect human that never will lead us wrong, that will never take us in a wrong direction, have a wrong attitude. He is the perfect older brother for each of us. He's the wisest person that ever lived. And he offers us so much. New life, transformed life. I'm talking caterpillar to butterfly kind of life. And he says, that's why I've come. So that if you'll let me, I can help you have this life more abundantly. That you can live your life to the full. He said, that's why I'm here. You can have eternal life. And so I would urge you to not be afraid of Jesus, even though that might be your first instinct, your first reaction. When he takes a step into your personal space, and in your gut you're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fight that. Lean into Jesus. Listen to what He wants to say to you. It will be good for you. You see, the truth is a follower, somebody who's not just a fan, but who wants to take their faith to that next level. A follower is going to be someone who wants to be close to Jesus and realizes that if I'm really going to follow this guy, i got to stay with him. My wife is six, eight inches shorter than me. I'm sure her legs are much shorter than me. But she is a, a career third grade teacher. And you don't want to walk with her through the mall or downtown. Because she goes into teacher mode on a field trip. 
and you better just get your act together. And I've learned, especially if it gets crowded downtown around Christmas time or something else where it's a state fair, you got to stay close to her or you're lost. Because she's moving. And she is shorter than me, so she doesn't stand up above the crowd. She gets lost in the crowd. So you got to get close to her and you got to stay there. And that's how we need to see Jesus. Because if we're going to follow him, he's going to take some turns we don't expect. And he's going to stop where we don't realize, and he's going to move to somebody else who we didn't even see, and we better stay close to him or we're going to get lost. And somebody who's sincere about following him realizes, i got to keep my eye on this guy. What are you doing, Jesus? Because that's the way to follow. Part of that is we, get to, we have to get to know Jesus. We have to learn about him. And some of that's just diving into those four biographies of Jesus in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And taking some time, not just on Sunday morning in a sermon or in a Sunday school class, but in our own reading, to, to read those Gospels. But read them as biographies where I'm trying to learn about Jesus. How's he handle people? How's he respond? What's important to him? What is not important to him? And I'm not just accumulating facts. I'm learning from a mentor so I can follow him. So I can start to re react like he reacts. Ignore what he ignores and make a priority what he makes a priority. And that's why I'm learning about Jesus. And I'm coming to a class on Wednesday night that's going to help me learn about Jesus or a, a Sunday school class or, or a men's retreat. Doing things that I can learn about Jesus. But I think there's more than that. I believe it's also getting to know him as a living person. Jesus promises us and he says, I will be with you always. Jesus isn't a historical figure who is gone. He is an eternal figure who is alive today. And that's what sets him apart from a George Washington or an Abraham Lincoln that we can learn about. We can learn about Jesus, but we can also experience his presence today. And I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable because this would have made me uncomfortable 20 or 30 years ago. But I want to challenge you to think about Jesus as a living person and go ahead and talk to him. Now, for some of you, this is like natural. It's like, Jim, you're just telling us to breathe, duh. But I understand for some of us, that's not just natural. And I don't know for you, for me, one of the pictures that really works for me is we read in the Gospels that at times Jesus would sit around a campfire with the disciples and talk. And I love to camp. I love to be in the boundary waters. And one of the best times is sitting around the campfire at night. And so for me, there's times that I need to sit around a campfire and talk to Jesus. And sometimes sit there and be still and let him say something back to me. And there's times when I feel like my life is in a boat and that boat is in the middle of a big lake and there's a huge storm. And I get to see Jesus walking across that water. And I get to see him getting into the boat and sitting beside me. And there's sometimes he says to me, I'll help you row. 
And there's sometimes he says, it's okay, Jim, I got this. You don't even need to row. But I want to tell you, we need to move Jesus from being just a historical figure to being our living Lord who leads us every day. And sometimes that involves having a conversation with him. And that's how we get closer to him. And that's how we keep our eye on him. And that's how he lets us know if we need to speed up or slow down or turn right or turn left. There's one more, one more piece I want to challenge you with in getting to know Jesus. And that's in letting him get to know you. Because for a lot of us in personal space, it's like, okay, you can get close to me, but I don't want you to get too close. But for Jesus to really get to know us, we have to also open up to him. And what I mean by that is that we're willing to have a conversation with Jesus where we're honest. And we're saying, maybe this boat's going down, Jesus, without you. I'm in over my head. I can't fix it. I can't handle it. I don't have all the answers. I desperately need your help. And sometimes maybe it's saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't even want to look you in the eye because of what I did yesterday. And I am so ashamed. And I'd give anything to undo it. But what we find is Jesus doesn't look away. He looks us right in the eye with eyes of love. And he says, I know, I saw. But you know, it's okay. Let's pick up the pieces. How do we go on? How do we avoid doing that again? How do we learn? How do we grow? And we find this loving Savior who accepts us as we are and doesn't just look away from us in shame, but loves us and says, it's okay. All of that is following Jesus. But I want to warn you, there's a test for all of us. We started this sermon with the, the story of a young man who had a test. And Jesus says, here's what I need you to do. Get rid of that stuff that you think gives you security and follow me. And, and I want to be up front with you for any of us who say, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus, I'm serious about this. Sooner or later, he's going to say, okay, but I need you to do this. And it'll be different for every one of us. Maybe it is money, and you need to let go of a bunch of it because you're too tight with it, and you think it's your future. But sometimes it's your job. And everything about me is that job. And he knows that. And he says, I need you to let go of that job a little bit. The world doesn't hinge on you getting that project done. But maybe it's some people. Or maybe it's something else. That Jesus knows for us that has become a barrier between us and him. Between us really following him. And he won't ignore it. Because he cares too much, he wants you and he to be close. And he said, Jim, you got to face this. It's between me and you. 
And it's not easy, I'll tell you, it's not easy. Uh, confession time. The era I grew up and the era I became a pastor, the expectation for every pastor, and some of you won't even know what I'm talking about, is you had to become Bill Hybels. And you had to create a megachurch. If you were a worthwhile pastor, you need to create an eagle, eagle brook. You need to be whatever church you want to put in there. And that became a real issue between Jesus and me. And in a very painful process, he had to say to me, Jim, that's not my plan for you, and you've got to let go of that. You've got to let go of that. I want to use you where I want to use you. And I want to use you how I want to use you, and you've got to let go of that. Now, my bad news for you is I think he wants that conversation with every one of us. Because probably there's some things we're holding on to like that rich young man. And Jesus says, to follow me, I need you to let go of that. So you can not let it hold you back, not be a wall between us. I need you to follow me. Now there's a reason I asked Carrie to delay communion till the end of the service today. You want to talk about giving up something to follow Jesus? I want you to understand he gave up his life so you could follow him. The sacrifices he asks of us are insignificant compared to the sacrifices he already made for us. He left heaven and left all of his God privileges and became a human. And not just a human, but a servant. And not just a servant but a sacrifice for you. Does he care about you when he asks you to give up something? Trust him. He cares. He loves you so much, he died for you. We're going to come and uh, sing, and then I'm going to come up and pray, and then we're going to take communion. And as we take communion... I want you to think about how much Jesus cares about you when he says, let go of that. Come follow me.